Hello, this is Ryan Fritz with Science of Cardio, delivering the latest and greatest and the pros and cons of exercise science. Hello, welcome to the Science Cardio Podcast. Today we are talking about inflammation and specifically exercise and sustainability. Inflammation is kind of an interesting topic when you talk about exercise. So inflammation is a natural occurring thing that happens in the body. Uh, the purpose of inflammation is to repair tissues heal things in your body, cells, and damaged tissues. Uh, it also helps with growth, so cellular growth, muscle growth. Um, it helps with longevity. It also is known to be associated or correlated with immunity and autoimmunity. Uh, if things are really inflamed, uh, your body is trying to help itself, heal itself, repair itself. So typically we notice inflammation kind of with joint health. If you are not inflamed, then you have, you know, healthy joints, you feel good, your immune system's rocking, and uh, you're repairing and growing tissues very easily. Most people, when you think of inflammation, you think of the kind of the, the bad side or the con of inflammation. So We'll kind of dive into that. So typically when people think of inflammation in the body, they think of arthritis, uh, joint pain. They think of kind of aches in your joints and your body. I will go into that and explain that. So essentially the aches and pains that we have in our body are communications from essentially our joints and our cells and our body to tell our brain um, that we're doing too much or we're you know tired or exhausted. So there's a you know a purpose behind having those aches and pains. So where it becomes kind of detrimental is when we kind of push and fight through those aches and pains all the time, every day, and we never kind of rest or recover. So if we have kind of too much inflammation in our body from an exercise standpoint, what happens is, is that turns into arthritis. Uh, also, our bones can calcify or they'll deform or grow. So if you've ever seen rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis, you have this kind of weird malformation. So with too much inflammation in the body, it can lead to joint disease, organ failure, and or death. Inflammation shows up in blood work. It shows up in blood pressure. It shows up in heart rate and also in pain, chronic pain, arthritis. Blood pressure is probably the best indicator of inflammation in the body and in the cells. If we kind of don't pay attention to this, uh, long-term effects, heart disease, we can have type 2 diabetes or kind of this insulin resistance and problems producing insulin. So inflammation is, you know, helpful, it's important to repair and heal our body but it also is not good if we have too much of it too often and for long periods of time so the goal today is to talk about things that contribute to inflammation in the body so typically our hormones influence that 
inflammation, anti-inflammation balance in our body. So we're talking about kind of exercise. So when you are exercising, you have this fight or flight. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, you have real high cortisol levels. Your body will try to use other hormones uh, to get those to kind of calm down. As far as inflammation, some things that are linked to influencing inflammation, kind of cortisol, testosterone, estrogen, human growth hormone, IGF or insulin-like growth factor, epinephrine, norepinephrine, serotonin, and tranquilizers are all part of that kind of hormone system, the endocrine system, um, the thyroid gland kind of triggers those things. Um, depending on, you know, exercise, they will kind of turn things on. If you're, you know, moving around, those hormones will do certain processes. And the main point of it is, again, to kind of repair and heal, grow our tissues. Um, one way that we can get information out of that is, again, blood pressure. So typically high blood pressure is a good indicator of inflammation in the bloodstream. Uh, another thing that you can use is heart rate or heart rate monitors. You can notice if someone is not recovered or, um, you know, there might be a correlation with overtraining and um, high heart resting heart rate. So um, typically, you know, a resting heart rate is consistent for an individual and everybody has a different resting heart rate. So I would recommend if you you know have a heart rate monitor just kind of take note over maybe a week or two and see what's the average resting heart rate when you wake up and uh, if you're training really heavy or hard uh, that number might go up so just keep that in mind uh, you can kind of take note of that and keep track or data collect and find out you know if that's going on so another thing that is really cool, kind of new in science, is the heart rate variability. So this is the signals from your brain going to your heart, telling it to contract and kind of pump blood and get oxygen and waste products kind of through your bloodstream to your extremities, your organs. So heart rate variability will um, become abnormal or infrequent if you're high inflamed or you're overstressed or body's struggling to kind of keep homeostasis. So there's uh, different apps, uh, a lot of watches, um, heart rate monitors uh, have heart rate variability in them now. Um, so another more in-depth way to gather that inflammation in your blood is to go get some blood work done and uh, they have kind of some standard norms for most people and you can see if you know there's certain nutrients or vitamin deficiencies those can give us a lot of information uh, about our adrenal glands and you know what our kidneys are doing how's our you know liver processing things or not processing um, and then then finally another indicator data collection point is just joint pain or chronic pain if you are healthy and you're eating well and you're moving I would say moderately you know safely smartly scientific you shouldn't have um, chronic joint pain or 
you know, aches, pains, soreness, uh, you know, delayed onset muscle soreness or kind of that soreness ache after exercising is okay. Um, again, it's a double-edged sword. Our body is trying to communicate and tell us, hey, you did too much, rest, recover. So we need to keep that in mind. Uh, we don't want, you know, soreness every day of the week for weeks and months. Uh, it's not healthy and it's going to create problems down the road. As far as inflammation goes with exercise and sustainability. So I've been playing around with this a lot. I have high blood pressure. Um, this is very important to me. Um, I do not want to get on blood pressure medicine. So I'm trying ways, natural ways or natural kind of homeopathic ways to figure out how can I lower my blood pressure. And I have found that doing isometric strength training has been a great tool for decreasing my blood pressure. And it, uh, you know, kind of was a surprise to me uh, that I could lower it with isometrics. So traditionally, you know, I've been doing strength training, sports, traditional kind of strength and conditioning, um, you know, in college and high school sports. And um, from kind of those experiences, you know, I've noticed my blood pressure has been, you know, always high normal, uh, nothing, you know, crazy. But uh, recently, you know, my, my blood pressure has been kind of significantly higher than, you know, the norm. So when I started doing isometric training, uh, I was able to lower my systolic blood pressure by 20 beats. So I went from 153 to, I think it was like 131. And then my diastolic, I went from 93 down to... I think it was 83 or 81, something like that. So pretty cool findings from that. So try that out. Try out some isometrics. Uh, I use a machine called the Isofit. So when you do isometric strength training, essentially your heart rate doesn't elevate. Now this is kind of a weird thing because you think, well, when I exercise, I should get my heart rate up and I should push myself and challenge myself. So you can challenge yourself on the strength the muscle and the nervous system side and you can get adaptation and create change through that but one thing that's neat about isometric strength training is your heart rate doesn't go up real high so I did kind of this experiment I wore my heart rate monitor for two months two and a half months when I was doing isometric only training and my heart rate didn't get much above a hundred maybe 110 120 and, uh, you know, for me doing cardiovascular conditioning, 160, 170s, really, really pushing it. So I was kind of shocked, but um, I think that is the secret sauce or the proof in the pudding. Um, what it does is it just doesn't create that inflammation response. So it's able to create a faster healing process and quicker recovery. So you can push yourself again you know the next day with an isometric type of strength training activity and you don't have those high heart rates the high inflammation the longer recovery times so i found that's pretty fascinating i think that's kind of a, a biohack or a secret trick um, if you're having a lot of aches and pains with your back or just sore tired achy uh, isometrics are a great way to challenge your muscles and your tendons, your tissues, and your nervous system, but not put excessive strain and load or create inflammation in your body. 
So some other tools that I recommend for decreasing inflammation is a cold bath. So cold baths have been researched and the cold therapy model um, has been kind of proven to help with nerve regen or regeneration. It helps repair nerve endings. Um, you know, if you think about when you're exercising, cardiovascularly, strength training, or, you know, you're just pushing yourself, I don't know, hiking or doing activities around the yard or whatever. Um, you know, they create fatigue, tired, you get inflamed. So <clears throat> the ice or the cold therapy can kind of help repair and regrow nerves. So there's actually some new research that they're looking at cold therapy uh, to deal with Alzheimer's and dementia, kind of fascinating. So, um, you know, cold, cold therapy, you can do a cold shower, you can do a cold bath, you can do an ice bath, you can jump, you know, into a, a pool. Anything that lowers your core temperature is going to challenge your mitochondria, your cells, and it's going to create adaptation if you do it on a regular basis, just like strength training or cardiovascular conditioning. That will help slow down your heart rate. It'll help you relax. Um, it will do some neat things to decrease inflammation. So the, on the opposite side of that coin is the sauna or heat stress or heat therapy. So heat, um, things like jacuzzi, hot tub, hot bath, a uh, really hot shower, um, a sauna, a steam sauna, a finished sauna, anything that increases your core temperature um, has been shown to, you know, you start sweating, you detox, you get rid of all these toxins and waste products in your body through sweat. It, you know, it just improves kind of your immune system and it increases hormone kind of function. So this can be maybe a good way to flush out some of those waste products, the damaged cells, and kind of get some new healthy uh, blood into your extremities, your organs, and whatnot. Sauna, um, again, the biggest, I think, key point with a sauna is the hormonal influence. If you're not doing the sauna or haven't done the sauna, try that out. Um, there's lots of information on the internet. I have a podcast on cold therapy and the sauna or hot therapy. Um, another thing that is really helpful for decreasing inflammation is resting. Uh, resting might be, you know, going from a, a six-day routine to maybe a five-day routine or a three-day routine. Um, it is actually counterintuitive, but you can actually get stronger, bigger muscles, grow tissues as far as like muscle if you do it every other day. Um, there's a huge part of overtraining that limits the ability for us to progress, uh, get stronger, repair, re you know, recover. So if you're not resting, that may decrease your performance. It might decrease your overall gains. Something to think about. Another thing is sleep. Again, sleep goes back to repair, healing, growing tissues. The, you know, eight to 10 hour kind of sleep per night is the key and super recommended for optimal health. And that will help regulate your hormones. It will improve kind of that serotonin, the tranquilizers, 
the cortisol balances with your kind of sleep-wake cycles, your circadian rhythm, and um, this will, you know, help you to lose weight from kind of this decrease in inflammation. It will help you repair tissues. You'll get stronger. You can put on more muscle easier with getting into that sleep and getting those kind of REM cycles. So another recommendation about inflammation and exercise sustainability is I really tell people to limit your high intensity cardio. So the high intensity cardio would be doing like a, a sprint jog or maybe like a CrossFit type of strength workout, sprinting up a hill, um, doing kind of wind sprints. Uh, those type of activities increase the heart rate significantly, and it seems to be the most stressful on your nervous system, your muscle system, your cellular systems, and uh, this creates a lot of inflammation. So I'm not saying to not do high-intensity cardio. I'm saying to limit it. Um, I try to do kind of high-intensity cardio maybe once a week for sustainability purposes. Um, if you've done kind of this high intensity workout, you notice that you'll be real sore. Um, that soreness, again, is your body saying, hey, please rest and repair and help these kind of damaged tissues and cells. You know, soreness, you know, is a great indicator. But uh, biggest thing that I can recommend is just balance. You know, we want to challenge ourselves on the strength side of things and the cardiovascular challenge side, but uh, we don't want to overdo it. I highly recommend there's one day a week where you don't do any kind of challenges to your system. Um, you can do different routines and different programs where you do you know, strength one day, cardio another day, where you do uh, strength you know, two days in a row, cardio two days in a row, kind of neat things one thing that i think is really cool instead of doing you know monday cardio tuesday strength and kind of go on that alternating kind of split try doing a two a day where you do strength in the morning and cardiovascular exercise in the evening on monday wednesday and friday or if you're scheduled tuesday thursday uh, and Saturday. Giving that day of rest and recovery uh, will really create some different kind of healing repair growth adaptations. So play around with that. It's kind of a neat little thing that you can see how much rest and recovery really affects your gains or your kind of maintenance on your strength and conditioning levels. So some examples or things that I do, I've already mentioned the isofit. Um, isometric strength training seems to be the secret sauce between keeping your heart rate low, decreasing or kind of keeping the inflammation low. And it is something that you can, you know, again, challenge the muscles and the nerves but you don't overtax the endocrine system or your hormones or your thyroid, um, your adrenals. So that's very powerful stuff. Uh, another thing that I do is I like to do incline walking or hiking. Uh, you can get a really good challenge by walking up, you know, a hill, up a steep bank, or on an incline on a treadmill. This will uh, decrease the foot contacts and the joint impacts. It'll decrease all those kind of compressions with the vertebrae. So you can 
play around with kind of an isometric and a walking routine uh, to lower that inflammation and have more sustainability with your exercising. I have been kind of working on a kind of ideal program or workout where I do isometric one day a week. I will do a kind of walking hike cardio thing once a week. I will do a interval running um, or maybe a bike. I'll do some kind of interval, kind of high intensity cardiovascular challenge. Um, you know, obviously the bike's going to be more sustainable, less damaging to your joints. Uh, and then I will do a traditional kind of dynamic strength day. I'll work on kind of my fingers, my toes, my neck, some of those other muscle tissues that don't get used or get challenged or get neglected in kind of a strength phase or programs. You know, again, there's nothing wrong with kind of doing the running, doing the CrossFit thing, but inflammation is a huge component or correlation with those. So if you're going to do those, you should be really thoughtful about how much recovery you do in between those sessions. Um, I remember reading a study, it said that it takes or can take up to 96 hours for someone to recover from a crossfit or high intensity hit workout so that's uh four or five days um you know if you're doing those type of workouts every day in a row i would think at some point either your joints are going to break or you're going to get sick or you will have some serious health complications based on that much stress so you know one thing i've noticed is kind of you, when you're in your teens and your 20s, you can pretty much push as hard as you can. You don't really have any problems, issues. When you start getting into your 30s, you start having aches and pains. When you get in your 40s, you start thinking about things different. Um, I have found that this inflammation thing is very important, uh, especially as we get older, our heart rate slows down and lowers. So we need to be really thoughtful about how we challenge ourselves, how we maintain strength and cardiovascular health, but in a safe, balanced way where we're not overdoing it or we're not doing much at all. So I want to thank you for tuning in to this podcast about inflammation and exercise sustainability. Um, our next podcast is going to be on inflammation and diet or nutrition. So this will go into some more in-depth topics and conversations on the eating, nutrition, and dieting side. Uh, so we hope that you enjoy these and we'll catch you next time.